Hi, I'm Sam. Hey, I'm Richo. And this is Fall Risk. Listeners, what's up? We're back with another episode this time. I'm joined by the one and only Richo. That's me. Yeah. Dude, thank you for taking the time to sit down and, and chat with me. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks a for co- having me. A complete stranger. Like, <laughs> that's great. Thank you. <laughs> You're putting a lot of trust in me. I really appreciate it. Like I've told basically everyone this weekend, it's probably fine. <laughs> well, now you now you have to follow through on it, you know? Like, you have to do it. You can't, like, back out because you told so many people about it, so... Pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Um, so we are fresh off the weekend here uh, at Skydive Midwest with the double record event, right? Um, the Wisconsin State Belly Big Way. I don't even know how you put all these words together in the right order, to be honest. Like, uh, So that was Belly Big Way Total Break Sequential. Okay. I think. And I'm, I think that's like a recognized category, but it's definitely like a thing people keep track of. That's interesting. Uh, and then we, uh, or I, I yeah. was a part of the the Wisconsin head up record. Yes, and so that was not a sequential. That was just a big way record, that was just right? A big way record. Yeah, damn. Like those, the, there's so many words that have to go in the right sequence. Yeah, in those I mean, titles. this is why I like swooping records. They're really easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. It's one person, right? Oh wait, no, is it one person or? Yeah, yeah. For swooping, it's it's one person, and you also you don't like declare it. Like you just go compete. Yeah. And maybe someone comes up to you afterwards and it's like, hey, you broke a record. Like you don't. <laughs> You don't have to like premeditate anything yeah. the way you do with this is great. Yeah. It's way better. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so that's been happening over the last three days out here at Skydive Midwest. Um, how are the jumps? They're good. Uh, this was my first uh, record attempt that I was actually on the skydives for. Like previously I've been on the base, uh, sorry, on the bench for a couple of things. But this mm-hmm. is my first time like being at the big kids table. Okay. So it was great. It was super fun. It was in the base. Uh, but like the, the jumps are great. Like. Colin specifically and like all of the chemtrails boys put on a hell of an event. So it was it, the vibe was yeah. fucking awesome. Sweet. Um, so the event as a whole was like a smashing success. Is yeah, what I, absolutely. What okay, cool, cool. And you guys got the record too. Yeah, so we got the record. Unfortunately, we didn't get like everyone on the record, which is for sure the thing that we wanted to do. But like mm-hmm. we set a new Wisconsin state head up record, which is very exciting and, and like is, is a good thing to be carrying away. What's the number? 27 I knew you were gonna ask and I'm sitting here like pretty sure it's 27 uh, I'm pretty sure it's 27 cool that's awesome that's very very exciting um what was the previous record do you remember uh someone said like 18 ish oh, so quite a big jump yeah I think okay I didn't prepare for this I just Colin was like you want to be in the base and I was like sure man sounds yeah. great all right <laughs> you show up like yeah that's one of the harder slots, like, cool, like, yeah, I'll do that. No worries. That's awesome. It's probably fine. <laughs> How are your arms? Are they super, like, tired and smoked? Not too bad. My left wrist was not feeling good yesterday morning. Like, I don't specifically know what Colin did to it, but that was that was not feeling awesome. But Death grip or, like, a wrench or something like that? I don't know. I, like, I lost some skin on one of my hands <gasps> as well from someone's nails, but, like, uh, but by and large, like, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. So... Let's talk about kind of your origin story. All right. Let's like go way back and like chat about how you first started skydiving and like when it happened and if you remember all those details. What year did you start? 2015. How old were you? 28. You're 28. 28 or 29. Wow. Okay. Uh, How many jumps have you accumulated total so far? Like 5,000. 5,000. How many of those do you think are canopy, like strictly canopy related jumps? I i'm very bad at writing things down i typically tell people i have like two thousand hop and bops okay uh and it's between two and three thousand of them and like there's some canopy flocking stuff in there and there's like 
a whole bunch of XLW. So like, it, I I would say like more than half, like super comfortably. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But like the exact number is like, okay. I mean, I I say five thousand because that's what my visa says. Yeah. My arrows hashtag yeah. sponsored, but uh, <laughs> it uh, you know, I mean, that's not perfectly accurate. Okay. So. All right. Fair enough. Um, do you have a lot of tunnel time under your belt? No, I have very little. Like the tunnel is a pretty recent uh, thing that I've gotten into. Like I've flown a little bit over the years, but like, you know, I have friends that have like hundreds or thousands of hours and I have like less than a hundred for sure. Okay. Um, my my girlfriend, Tam, is loves flying in the tunnel. And so uh-huh. since we're back together now, I'm like, sweet, let's go fly in the tunnel. Yeah. But <laughs> That's funny. Like le- less than a hundred. <laughs> Is a small amount. That's funny for a lot of people listening. That's going to be like over, like an overwhelming amount. Like I don't think they could. I don't think a lot of people could fathom that much tunnel time. So yeah, I mean, I think like the context there that's important is like as with so many things in the sport. Like once you progress past some point, like racking stuff up becomes easy. You know, yeah. like those first hundred jumps are like a hundred emotionally traumatic events. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. like gr- getting through them, and you know, like s- some amount of them are going to be solos. Is like it's tough, right? Yeah, and you then slog through it. Yeah. yeah, and and once you progress and you have like a core group of friends that you want to jump with, like getting out and bashing out twenty jumps in a weekend, mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. Same deal with tunnel time. Like twenty hours of coaching, like man, that is like yeah. monetarily and emotionally pretty difficult. Yes. But like once you get to the point where you can fly four way comfortably, like if you get out and fly like half an hour of VFS a week mm-hmm. with three friends, which is like super doable, like you will grind out time reasonably quick yeah. and so now i'm in that back side of like cool like i'm not a very good tunnel flyer but i can do most of the things and so i can like show up and huck with my friends cool um and that, that's like a really comfortable place to be yeah those are all really fair points too as well like to consider i get uh, the startup the startup for all of these different disciplines and all these different areas of skydiving is definitely the hardest part but you're right like you hit a certain point and then everything is a lot easier after that comes a lot more streamlined like yeah like driving out here i stopped at utah to just fly 20 minutes and like uh-huh. i didn't even call them i just had to drive past the tunnel anyway so i was like cool if there's time there's time you know uh-huh. And while I was there, there were two newer people who were like working on backflying. This was like their first day of a five day camp. And their goal was like, I want to be on my feet by the end of these five days. Yeah. Which is like aggressive, but doable. Yep. Uh, And, you know, like in between our sessions, they came into the break room and were like, oh, man, you're like doing all this stuff. Like, that's so impressive, blah, blah, blah. And I like, I don't want to like downplay their experience, but I'm also like, man, like this honestly just is sort of like more fun when Mm -hmm. you can bail to something that is also fun yes you know like if you can move on your feet or your head when your arms give up from flying static like you can just go move Mm -hmm. right and it like i don't want it to seem like a cop-out to be like man it gets better but like there is some truth to like it turns out actually like the the skills are cumulative yes like i i kind of wish i'd got skydiving earlier because i feel like you pay this fixed cost to get like good enough at all these things and after that you kind of just get to go rip Mm -hmm. you know and so like when i when i see my older friends who are like not like plateaued because they couldn't get any better they're plateaued because they're like good enough to do all the things they care about and they just come out every other weekend and rip with their buddies and Mm -hmm. like don't worry it like that seems like a really nice place to be oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) no i i uh i totally feel you i wish oftentimes i wish i would have i mean I started when I was 18, so it's a little bit of a different bag, but I wish I would have put more time and energy into slogging through some of those like disciplines that I didn't start until a lot later, like a later in my career, just so that I'd gotten through that a lot sooner and had the opportunity to like 
experience what it is you're talking about. Yeah, you know, like, and and I think I mean my experience is funny because I I went so hard at canopy piloting like right out the gate like I was like I want to swoop I want to be really good at this and mm-hmm. so like. When I coach, I, I use this metaphor for like skill points in like a role playing game. You yeah. know, like you get a, a few every year, but you have to pick where to put them, right? Mm-hmm. You can put a few into everything and be better at everything, but not great at anything. Yeah. And I was like all into swooping, you mm-hmm. know, like just got to get good at swooping. And so when I was trying to learn to free fly, like I would get on and just blow the skydive apart at the seams. Like it would be <laughs> like a disaster, but like I got to swoop at the end. So I'm like, I'm on cloud nine. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> like, sure, some pretty bad stuff happened on the skydive, but like then I got to rip and so mm-hmm. like high fives all around. And I think for a lot of people, like doing the reverse where they're like bad at sit flying and also have to fly a 170, like I think that <laughs> makes it like harder to power through. Yeah, no, that's um, fair. I mean, I guess they don't know what they're missing, you know, totally. Either, so, and I mean, it's like the flip side of that was like, you know, I, I had friends who came up in the sport who are now like incredibly good free flyers. And, you know, I watched them, you know, like, their 800th jump was like a sequential head down 12 way. Mm-hmm. And you're like, my 2000th jump was a hop and pop because <laughs> like couldn't free fly for shit, yeah. you know? So, it, you know, there, there's always going to be a trade off. Uh, you know, it's just it's sort of interesting to, to see how divergent those two paths sort of are, you know? That's totally fair. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Interesting food for thought for anyone. Anyone listening? Interesting food for thought for me, too, as well. Like, thank you. Um, do you have any ratings? Uh I have a super expired coach rating. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What's super expired? Uh, I think I got it when I had like 300 jumps and then the paperwork to renew it was annoying. So I just like didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So you used it for like one season. I would say I've signed potentially five or six things. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's super funny. Uh, What do you do outside of skydiving for fun? Uh, yeah, so I'm an aerobatic pilot, so I've okay. been charging super hard at that lately. Okay. Uh, I'm a novice rally driver as of this year, so I've been uh, driving. I drove my first rally a couple months ago. I'm driving my next one in a month and a half. Are you building it yourself, or is it part of a team? So this year I'm renting a car kind of as a hedge against, like, do I actually, like, want to do this? Okay. Um, I would like to build a car, but I'm not all that mechanical. All right. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> you can probably see the occupational hazard there yeah uh so I, i'm trying to figure that out for i have a wrx shaped paperweight in my garage because i blew up a car so I'm like, <laughs> well like do i cage it do i scrap it and buy something already logbook there's like a lot of options there but okay. I'm, I'm gonna try and get through the next two races and then all right yeah nice that's cool what what else what uh beyond that uh i mean like i like speed flying base jumping paragliding like i i definitely went through the like if it has a parachute i want to fly it okay kind of phase yeah. um and all of that stuff like so that ebbs and flows. Um, I know. I, I feel like I came into this with like a list of interesting things I do. And now I can't remember what any of them were. But like, <laughs> okay. that's, uh, I, I think that's like the bulk of them. Okay. It's, yeah. Uh, someone told me that you or were also into computer hacking. Yeah. So so my career uh, for, for a really long time, like centered entirely around hacking computers. I like traveled and gave some talks and worked at some companies, did some stuff. That's actually what I'm going to New York for on Thursdays to like hang out with a bunch of degenerate hacker friends. <laughs> okay, that's fun. That's fun. What do you mean by hacking? Because I think people have a have a very specific version of what that means. Yeah, and I think it's, especially now, it honestly, like it, whatever your belief is, is like somewhat correct. So I guess in a professional setting, uh, I worked at a payments company for a great deal of my career and sort of the job of my team was to try and figure out where the issues were so that we could patch them before someone else could exploit them. So it was very sort of like attackers mindset kind yep. of thing. Um, in my like more personal life, 
where I did a bunch of research that I presented, that was much more sort of like attacking stuff very directly just to see what you could do. And and honestly, sometimes it was just like for shits and grins, right? So like, I I think the thing I did that got the most traction with a buddy of mine, Mike Ryan, uh, there was an electric skateboard company kicking around for a while called Boosted. And we developed an attack that let us take control of other people's skateboards like remotely. (laughs) So we could like unpair the remote and then our laptop is the remote now. And like, Mm -hmm. you can probably see the the exciting times you can do with that. Um, so, so like that research <laughs> got, got a fair bit of traction. Um, but yeah, over the years I've worked on like a bunch of sort of stuff generally shaped like that. Okay. Interesting. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. Like I, I definitely had this like pretty abrupt sort of, I think changeover from like hacking computers being a huge part of my life to like skydiving uh-huh. being a huge part of my life. Like I felt like I only, not like deliberately, but like as it turned out, I sort of only had room for one of them. Um, and so, like, as I hit jumping really hard, I just sort of, like, faded out of Interesting. the security world. Just out of curiosity. So, like, how are those how are those skateboards wired? Like, so, like, they have, obviously, there's something that's telling it what to do. What channel is that? For? Yeah. So, so the, uh, the board itself had, like, a controller and then a bunch of batteries and then, like, the battery controller. Mm-hmm. And all of that stuff used CAN, which is the car area network, which is, like, the same protocol your car uses to, like tell the ECU and the windows and like pretty much everything sits on that. Okay. Uh, what we attacked was the the skateboard had a remote that was then connected with Bluetooth low energy, which is like <gasps> one of the Bluetooth protocols. That's wild. Which, okay. uh, and, and like, I guess to be clear, because I, one thing that frustrates me about the security community is like, uh, you know, the like spreading of fear, uncertainty and doubt, like Bluetooth itself is like very safe, like uh-huh. if implemented correctly. And it's those three words that were the downfall here. Like okay. we actually, like we we tried our best to like do the thing and we like went back to the manufacturer and like explained the defects. Like we didn't just like publish everything. Yeah. Uh, we, we like worked with them to try and deploy a fix. Unfortunately, the fix they deployed was like not great. And, and I think particularly because the company's now no longer in business, I can mm-hmm. like sort of talk about this without feeling like I'm kicking someone while they're down. But like <laughs> for better or for worse, that like disclosure process kind of fell apart between us like as we're working through it um but yeah like i I don't want to be like hey anything with bluetooth is bad because that like isn't the reality like bluetooth is actually like a really great technology if used correctly they just unfortunately decided to build this thing without like a complete understanding of how the pieces okay they were using work like the skydiving analogy would be like you know the gear we jump is really safe but like it needs to be correctly assembled and maintained yeah yep. right and so they kind of like took a safe rig but like assembled it without the instructions okay. and what they wound up with was like yeah. not awesome all right mean. okay that that makes things uh a little bit more um uh <laughs> easy it, it makes it easier to swallow uh because i was thinking about all the things i was like these guys had to have been using bluetooth in order to like you know connect everything everything together and i was like but but there's so many things on the drop zone that have Bluetooth, like enabled or used. The, the my immediate thought was GoPro, like a GoPro. Yeah, like totally. Bluetooth. And and I mean, like it's. Uh, I mean, this is a podcast about computer security now. So like yeah, in, right. <laughs> uh, in, in computer security and honestly, anyone who's ever worked with me who listens to this, which is probably a pretty narrow subset, but like <laughs> I, I spent so much of my career talking about threat models. Right. And, yep. and that's like basically a, a, a vehicle for working out like, well, what are you really worried about? Mm-hmm. Right. And so like in this case, like the the damage someone can do by connecting and remotely taking control of like a vehicle you are on yeah. and like connecting and remotely controlling your camera. It's yeah. like pretty different. Yep. Like not that yeah. it's good if people can just connect to your camera, but like 
launching you into traffic and deleting your videos are yeah. two like fairly different oh, yeah. outcomes. No, that's fair. Which is ironic because GoPro do a much better job of this than they did. <laughs> like high fives all around, I suppose. Interesting. All right. Food for thought, guys. Yeah. <laughs> this is your, your daily lesson. Everyone learned something new here. Uh, cool. Like, so aerobatic planes. Yeah. How long have you been doing that for? Uh, so I've been flying since 20... Uh, 2018, which actually started because I, I got a knee injury, which stopped me from jumping for four months while I got surgery. And oh, it was dang. like okay. super, I, I was, that was when I was charging like super duper hard with sky, with swooping. Like I actually, I timed my knee surgery for a time in the competition season where I could take four months off, only miss a single meet and still earn my pro card to move up to the open class. So Damn. I was like, All right. I was also just competing on a knee that had no ACL in it. And if you've seen accuracy landings, it's like, yeah not awesome so i collapsed my knee like a lot um so i had to take four months off from jumping which was like devastating to me mm-hmm. at the time like it jumping i mean jumping is still a huge part of my life but then it was my whole life yep so i took some flying lessons just to like get up in the air like just to kind of like take the edge off it i was like sweet but i was super upfront with my flight instructor i was like the day i can skydive i'm just gonna quit like i'm, <laughs> I'm just i'm like super done with this so that day rolled around, my physical therapist was like, cool, like return to sport, like take it easy, like try to not immediately turn around and wreck yourself, but like you can probably jump. And so I went to my flight instructor and was like, well, see ya. And she she basically said like, you're two, maybe three weeks away from a check ride, like get your private pilot's license, mm-hmm. then quit. But it's like, if, if you've got the piece of paper, like returning later in life is gonna be so much easier than like coming back as like a mm-hmm. accomplished student kind of thing. So I got my license. And then I was like, well, I should celebrate. Like, what's up with that aerobatic airplane that the school I learned out had? So I went and did an acro ride. And I was like, well, this is fucking great. <laughs> so I uh, I went off and, and got super into aerobatics. And then 2020 rolled around, like really wasn't going around a whole lot. Also kind of saw the writing on the wall that maybe jumping was going to be on hold for a little bit. Yep. So I got my hands on an aerobatic airplane and just like trained my face off. Um, so then I did my first competition in 2020. Uh, and then just sort of like maybe 21 probably 20 anyway somewhere somewhere in there i uh did my first aerobatic competition it turns out acro competitions roll a lot like swoop comps so that felt like really familiar (laughs) okay um and yeah i've been competing ever since i moved up a class this year which is exciting and scary and this is all wild like wild new information for me i didn't even realize that that was a thing like that people can still like that people competed in in plane flying yeah, I mean, as with most things, like if there's a thing you can do, like someone, some idiot like me is going to be like, how do I win at it? You know, like it's, <laughs> it, it turns out the competitive people are, uh, are are pretty much like that. But it, it's, I mean, it both is exactly what you would think and sort of not at all uh, in, in that. So there, there's like four minute free, which is like basically who's the best airship pilot, right? Okay. So it's like unscripted. You don't have to tell anyone what you're meant to be doing. You can use smoke. You set it to music. Like you just, you just get out and rage. Okay. basically and then there's like competition flying uh which is what for the time being i'm doing because i am not good enough to to do a four minute free yet uh which is basically where you you have this card that you're you get one at the start of the year and so you get as much time as you want to practice it. it's like a bunch of figures so like loops rolls ham heads blah 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 okay uh you can practice as much as you want you have to design a free which you design so it's like what can i fly well and what can my airplane fly well yep and then the third flight of the weekend is the unknown so that's during the pilot's briefing, they give you this thing and you don't get to practice it. You get to look at it. You get to walk it a lot. Fun fact. If you think belly flies look ridiculous walking, you haven't seen aerobatic pilots. Uh, my girlfriend takes great joy in watching me look like a fool on the ramp. Uh, but so your, your very first time flying the sequence is going to be in front of the judges. So okay. you kind of have this like 
the first flight is like who's the best at, at flying, you know, like practice, like doing the thing. Then your second one is like an engineering problem. You okay. know, it's like what what do I think? What what are my strengths and what are my airplane strengths and like how do I present that to the judges? And the third one is like kind of who's the best at improvising, you know, because mm-hmm. it, some of it is like how well prepared you are. Because if you have a good training plan, you've probably flown most of the elements yeah. that are going to be included. But some of it is like just trying to not get caught out, you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of times when I'm flying something I haven't seen before in practice, you know, I'll look at it and I'll kind of have a plan for how I'm going to get through this and where I think the traps are and blah, blah, blah. And then you actually get flying and you're like, oh, fuck, like that, this sucks. But like if you're doing that in competition, you kind of need to be far enough ahead to, to see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Tell me more about the classes then. Yeah. So so there's five classes, uh, primary, sportsman, intermediate, un, uh, advanced, unlimited. Okay. And they, they're mostly kind of like a gradual ramp up in how uh, how much like complexity and physical trauma okay. is involved. Okay. You know, so so I To you or to your plane? Uh kind of both. There there is no limitation on what on what airplanes you can fly in what class. Like you, Okay. It, it, the the I, I guess the written rule is basically that like you the pilot are committing to the fact that what you're about to do is safe. Yeah. Right. So they're they're not gonna like stop you. Mm-hmm. However, uh, like getting through the unlimited sequence in a in a entry level airplane is probably going to break the airplane. Like yeah. the, the running joke in aerobatic circles that advanced is about flying good and unlimited is about surviving. Like the unlimited figures are just like super brutal on the body. Um, but yeah, so so there's the, this like fairly progressive ramp up, and it's like uh, I I could totally get you to the point where you could like get through the primary sequence in like a couple hours in the airplane. You don't even have to have a pilot's license to compete. Mm. It's like the IAC is super thirsty for new members, so they're, like, really focused on trying to make it, like, a, a smooth entry. Like, if you want to fly competition aerobatics, like, they will make that straightforward for you. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's, like, a pretty pretty easy ramp up. Uh, I just moved up from sportsman to intermediate, and, like, man, intermediate's really hot. Like, that has been one of the lessons I learned there, but it, I also felt like I had a, like, good jumping off point like it and it was also super exciting for me like that that was like a big milestone so that's wild man that i mean that's more information than i've ever known about aerobatic flying like aerobatic plane flying that's that's i'm still wrapping my head around the fact that there's competitions for this so are the competitions open to the public for them to come and watch or is it like an air show like what are uh, these usually hosted separately privately? Yeah, so we specifically stay away from the word air show uh just Got it. Be, no okay. i mean like not no one cares but like uh, there are a bunch of obligations that you have for like flying and quote unquote air show. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they're super open to the public. Like um, we, we just had the Tracy. So I live in Tracy, California. There's a contest at the airport that is like walking distance from my house, which is super convenient for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the local airport manager, Paula, like she really goes out of her way to like try and invite the public in part because like aerobatics gets noise complaints sometimes. And like, yeah. man, the more the locals like us, like the less trouble we're kind of mm-hmm. going to get in. Um, but I mean, functionally, like, yeah, it's an air show. It's people like doing aerobatics over the airport, like not super low, but like not super high either. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, we can't have people unescorted on the ramp, but like we were just kind of taking it in turns to like go pick up, you know, three or four people and like walk them through like this is my airplane. Like, do your kids want to sit in and get a photo? Like there, there's like a real desire to like have this not be something that hooligans do, like similar to skydiving, right? Yeah. Like it's it's not like this is a bunch of idiots with a death wish just like rolling the dice every day. It's like this is a ridiculous, like <laughs> sort of unserious <laughs> hobby. But like it is it is like a real hobby that like you could get into if you wanted. And that's like the 
sort of the, the message we're trying to convey. Okay, that's fair. Um, what is your plane? What model plane are you flying? Uh, so this year I'm flying an extra 300, which like in 1997 when this thing was built, it was like the airplane to have. <laughs> okay. uh, of course, 25 years have elapsed and technology has moved on. And so mm-hmm. like at this point it is like... It is still an extremely capable airplane. Like the airframe will do 10 Gs each way, which okay. is many Gs. Feels bad. Uh, and, and sort of I don't fly it even remotely near to its, uh, I, I guess, to its like limits or capability. But it is pretty sweet. If you're in California, hit me up. Take you for a ride. It'd be great okay. fun. Okay. That's more than uh, the Top Gun, the new Top Gun uh, planes. Have you seen that movie, Top Gun Maverick? Oh, I still haven't. So like the goal, the goal, like they have to do this, I don't want to spoil it, but they have to do this like super crazy steep dive up and out of this canyon, right? And they're pulling 10 Gs on it. And they're like, you made, like you, you flew that plane in, or aircraft in such a way that it will never be airworthy again or something like that. So yeah, so I mean. Bent the frame or something like that. Uh, so Randy Howell, who did the cinematography for Top Gun, because he's like the only guy in the world who has a, a jet that can go that fast that also has like a, a movie camera like just bolted to the front of it because why not uh <laughs> after the contest that we just had at home we had our party in the in the patriots jet team hangar and like he gave a talk about it so it, it's a really small world i truly have no excuse for not having seen this film yeah you should i mean it's way better than the first one so I, that's <laughs> like, a high vibe i mean like the, the first one is definitely like an experience more than it's like <laughs> an, an art house piece uh but i i do have a real soft spot for the first one so i should Get off my you should probably the see the second one. Yeah. Then it's pretty, it's pretty Chef's Kiss. It's pretty great. It might, it might be my favorite movie of 2020. Was it 2022 when it came out? 22, I can't remember. I think. Uh, it might be like one of those top movies. Okay. Like, just in terms of like entertainment, like whew, they knocked it out of the park. And it's like in in top the original Top Gun, like you saw the same five sequences of the airplane over and over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. Like these, like they went way above and beyond, and like they actually did it too. That was the crazy part. It's, yeah. So that was actually the, the cool thing, I guess. So we, we had this dinner in the Patriots hangar. And so Randy was like telling, you know, like stories about like Tom Cruise is sitting in the back of his jet. And he, yeah. he was very like, man, they were very pretty fucking serious about like making it be real and not just mm-hmm. sort of like a CGI. Like, what yeah. if? Like, it was like, no, man, we're going to go whole ass in some canyons mm-hmm. and some jets and like see what we get. So it's wild. It's pretty right. Well, maybe maybe someday in the future you'll be a stunt, a stunt pilot for film. I don't know about film. I'm actually, I just sort of like committed the other day to trying to get my SAC card, which is like the, the qualification you need to fly air shows. So like yeah. I'm, I'm starting, to, starting to chew at that carrot. Someday. Yeah. Someday. I can't wait to see what happens. That's great. Um, what made you want to get to bring it back around? Yeah. Off all these weird tangents we got on to. Yeah, this is kind of with me. <laughs> uh, what made you want to get into skydiving? Like just so, in general. Yeah. So I'm a person who is still is very scared of heights. And so as with most people who are scared of heights, like, yeah, I'll do a skydive one day. Super fun thing to say. Yeah. Privacy of your own home. No real consequences sort mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, one of my coworkers at the, at the company I used to work at was like, Hey, uh, I just booked 10 tandems for Saturday. So like, who's coming? And I was like, Oh, sure. Yeah. Great. <laughs> okay. okay. This, this is, what a nice time. So I went out, I threw up three times before. Oh no. Yeah. Like I was not <laughs> oh, God. doing well. I don't know if you've ever been to Byron, but they don't have running water, like throwing up in a porty potty, porta potty like sucks. Um, so I went up, I, I did my first tandem with Mad John, who is, you know, an institution. I, I don't know if you know or know of Mad John, but he's, not, he no. is a time. Okay. Uh, and, and so I did it and I, I just sort of landed and I was like, I can do this again. You know, like, <laughs> and like, like wiping vomit off my face. But I was like, yeah, I, I, I think I'm into the idea of doing this. And so like the, the process of like becoming a skydiver was definitely like 
rough. Like I, I finished AFF in two weekends because I was like, damn. I, I think I was aware that if I if I didn't get it done, I was gonna quit. Yeah. And I definitely like I had some days where I was like driving to the drop zone. And I'm like super anxious. I'm just like, I hate this. Yeah. Like I I feel. <laughs> bad like to my core and then like you know it'd take an hour or so to get in the air and so i just like sit around on the packing mat just like cool this is like it's not a fun feeling and <laughs> and so i would find that like i'd get my first jump of the day done and then i'd kind of be okay for the rest of the day and mm-hmm. then it got to like I'd do my first jump of the weekend and that'd be fine for the weekend and so like i did eventually obviously i <laughs> hopefully it's obvious that i found the joy in it at some point and stopped like being being anxious shivering mess the whole time but like man it it was uh it 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 was a bit of a road and for sure like honestly similar to flying like there there was a a point where i was like i'm not a quitter so i'm gonna get my a license and then i'm gonna quit as though somehow that's quitting (laughs) less you know what's the most recent version of that then like you get your something and then you're gonna quit yeah i mean i i think i haven't done it since my pilot's license and in fairness like that wasn't quite because i was like i hate this and it's unpleasant it makes me feel you know horrible to my core uh but it it definitely was like some some times when i was super anxious and i was just like dude i like i don't think this is for me but i I was like man i'm like i am going to see this through get my a license and and like (laughs) then i'm i'm fucking done okay um but but i think the thing that happened was like once i was able to jump with other people like a lot of there just wasn't so much time to be anxious, you know, like mm-hmm. instead of like standing in the door, just like counting to eight on my fingers so I wouldn't get out on the group in front, <laughs> which it turns out is like pretty confronting if you're freaked, if you're losing your mind, staring out the door of an open airplane or the open door of an airplane while you're super scared of heights, like not super fun. But if you're like in a three way that's not going to work, like gearing up for that to not work, like occupies all of that time, gives you something oh, yeah. to focus on. You don't have anything, you don't have, your mind doesn't run rampant. You're not constantly thinking about the what if you're thinking about what ifs but completely different what ifs yeah know? totally yeah, and then yeah. like on the skydive like you're focused on being bad at skydiving because you have like nine jumps mm-hmm. uh but you're not just staring at the ground and being like wow that's getting bigger pretty fast yeah so yeah. It, it was definitely like a. It, it's it's difficult to relate to now and when i explain it like a lot of people think i'm they they think i'm taking the piss when i'm like i was and still am very scared of heights it's like mm-hmm. is it doesn't you know in fantasy it like doesn't gel very well with like yeah. a jillion skydives um <laughs> a jillion <laughs> you know like the whatever the number <laughs> yeah whatever the number is well it's not like when when you talk to people who are either like new or not in the sport like five thousand sounds like a really big number yeah but then i think about the people that i like look up to and they're like five thousand lol like you know, so many of them, like, I stopped counting at 50,000. Like, it, it just, it stopped making sense to write it down. And I'm like, that... 50,000, that's wild. Like, I did, the the first year, I did a pickup belly team at Nationals, which I think was 21. Uh, I put together a belly team, and, like, I had, you know, 4,000, 3,500-ish. Mm-hmm. And I had the least jumps on my team by, like, a staggering margin Jesus like Christ. we we asked around it was uh me jay russ who i think you also uh, just had on the podcast and i like, did not i wish but i did not jay russ be better uh <laughs> <laughs> you know i he, i think he's got you know between 20 and forty thousand, and then like i had pat kessler who's got at least 10 like tony guess had like eight or something and so you know i was like the baby on the team <laughs> um so you know it's like it's, it's just super relative okay I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Do you remember what your first skydive was like? Like your first student skydive? Uh, like first AFF jump, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I uh, did it out of King Air. And so it's like, 
because the door on a kinger is like a single body wide, right? So the, the way they did it was like one instructor climbs out front, one climbs rear, and then you climb out between them. They like take your harness and in theory, kind of push your hips into the airplane, peel off nicely, super clean, no one's scared. <laughs> it's going to be super great. So I like turn forward and I'm like, check in. And then I turn to face the the rear instructor. And I'm like, check out. And by this point, my hips are like a perfect, like 90 degree right angle, like away from the airplane. Mm-hmm. And then we leave and I'm like, why is it alternating blue and green so fast? <laughs> I'm like, why is an instructor like laying against the front of my body? And like, why does everyone seem so tense? Is this not going well? Uh, so, you know, that that was like a time. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we get through it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did it end up being okay? So like- hilariously, and to be clear, I, I like was not a good student, so I'm for sure not trying to insinuate that I was just crushing it so hard they were holding me back. <laughs> However, once I spat off one of my instructors, things did mellow out pretty quick. Okay. So maybe uh, more hands wasn't the answer. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Maybe just different hands. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. maybe. All right. Uh, so I do want to go. I want to go back and I'm going to mm. re uh, edit this just a little bit in terms of like the fear of heights thing. Like you, you talked about that a few times. Uh, the fear of heights. Right. Um, so so as human being, I don't know if you know this, like as human beings, we are innately fear of falling. Mm-hmm. Like we are we are innately afraid of that. Right. So like the fear of heights like directly plays into it. People are always like, oh, I'm just I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid of heights. Right. And it's like, yeah, you are because the idea you're going to fall off of it, right? Like that's just something that's hardwired into you and you can't escape it. It's yeah, just, absolutely. It's just something like that. Um, but like there are a shocking number of skydivers who do not like heights, like that do not like being in the door. They don't like, they. that was one of the hardest things for them to be on the door, on the edge of something, like getting ready to jump or fall or, you know, like a wild amount of people like are like that. Totally. And I mean, like some of it like just makes sense. Like even, even like sitting next to the open door of the airplane doesn't like bother me per se and if it's a hot day like man i'm all about it but at the same time like if you are ever sitting on the airplane with me and i'm like right next to the door like you'll see me scooch away from it and at that point it's not like a fear of heights thing but it is like an awareness that turbulence exists yeah and my like desire not to be bounced out of the airplane you know so so i think there's that component yep i i think where i see that most now in myself is base jumping right because i like don't there was also a time when I was like base jumping. I was like living in San Francisco and like driving to Auburn, which is like a three hour drive, like three times a week to like <laughs> do one jump and then like drive back to work, which is not tactical. It's a lot of hours <laughs> you could be sleeping. Uh, then instead you're driving your shitbox Camry. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, when I'm super current, it doesn't fret me out too much, mm-hmm. you know? But like when, when I'm not current, even though I'm fully intending to like fling myself off this object, like, Man, I do not like the way up. And and like even so, like, you know, like exposed climbs, like I do not like them. And it like physiologically it like affects it. You know, like my hands and feet ache. Yeah. Um and, and so I think some of it for sure is is just that like biological imperative to like not fall off things because mm-hmm. evolution taught us that's a dead end. Uh but but some of it also it, I think is like this psychological, like I when when I'm super current. I just feel a little more in control of the situation because I'm yeah. like on top of things. Yeah. And and so like for me, that interplay is what I struggle with. I mean, you grow accustomed to it too. Like over after a few reps, it's like, oh, I'm falling right back into it. It's like riding a bicycle. Like I remember this sensation. I remember these feelings. 
yeah, it's just like there's a shocking number of skydivers who are who still struggle with that. The scooting away from the airplane, I actively do that. Or it's not uh, from the door. Like I actively do that in the airplane when the when the door is open. Yeah, like, no, it's super. I mean, even even dumb things like uh, like we fly a caravan at home and you can't sit in the sort of back yep. nook, but you like putting a helmet back there is no big deal. But like yep. having my helmet like not in in my greedy yeah. little paws like with the door yeah. open like stresses me out because like. There is mechanically no situation in which it's going to wind up outside there. But I, like, I don't like risking it. So you'll always see me like holding my helmet with like two hands or like mm-hmm. putting my arm through the chin bar or something. Yep. Oh, yeah. I totally feel you on that. Like, I can't do escalators. Like I can't mm. like like escalators. I have to be on the inside of the escalator, not on the outside of the escalator. I have a really hard time with like walking bridges too as well. Yeah. Like I, uh, see through stairs. <laughs> no, <laughs> no yeah, thank you. <laughs> now my hands and feet hurt. Thanks for that. I'm so um, sorry. That was fine. I, I did a road trip when I lived in Australia. My my housemates and I did this road trip. And I, to this day, don't really know if this premeditated but they did find an excuse to get me on top of something really tall like every <laughs> single day on the way home so like there's a there's a uh, a walk over the sydney harbor bridge and i literally like had like more than one point of attachment i'm like clinging onto the rail like white knuckled <laughs> the whole way and then like a tourist would come the other direction just like using the handrail like a normal functional human being and you see them just like look at me and understand that like if they wanted to go not the way i was going they were going to be letting go and walking around me because like nothing <laughs> in this world like short of the jaws of life we're gonna like pli- pry me <laughs> off this hand so like i i do get it and, you know and and i've like i have powered through it at various points like i've i've like jumped off a bridge that wasn't like super high or super low into water but like yeah, it took me a good like five minutes <laughs> yeah so yeah. I feel you. I feel you. I empathize with that. Maybe not, I don't know, in recent in recent years, my parents have been um, uh, rebuilding, remodeling their house for like the last 30 years, but now it's like really taking off. And as a young adult, oh, not a young adult anymore, but um, as an adult child of my, of my parents, uh, making sure that they're like on track and like continuously like working on this, I haul my ass up to the top of the house and I stand on the scaffolding to like redo the shingles or redo the roof or to put up, uh, you know, siding, like all those things. I hate it. I hate it. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, you're doing this for a good reason. Like it's a good cause. You're making, you're, you're, you're saving your father from having to do this. Like your 60 year old father instead, like now I get to do it. It's funny you say that. So the world championship last year in Eloy, uh, I got roped into helping set up the space where we're going to have the banquet when the competition was done. And uh, one of the jobs, which is still a little bit insane to me, I'm probably throwing someone on the bus here, was like riding in a cherry picker, like put lights up on the mm-hmm. on the rafters. So Greg Liu is like, I'll do it. And I have this moment of like fucking can do attitude. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm incredibly scared of heights, but sure, I'll get in this rickety cherry picker. Like, it's probably fine. So we get in, we ride the thing to the top and straight away, I'm just like shrinking. Oh, I'm like trying to get my shoulders because it did have like a little safety railing. Yeah. But I'm like. I think if my head is the only thing above it, like maybe I can function, which is pointless because the rafters are like, if you're laying on your chest, like on the floor, you're probably going to find it quite difficult to hang lights. So yeah, I I, I can see, see where you're coming. It sounds like you do a better job than this, but occasionally I mean, at least I have the the impulse to try and help. <laughs> You've, com- you've competed in discipline, like different disciplines, right? Yes. So, so I guess like the right way to put it is like, I mean, I'm... I'm like pretty good at swooping. Yeah. And like 
feels it feels weird saying that. I've but like, heard I've heard that it's better than pretty good. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> solidly okay. Um, so like I've been on the Australian team since 2019, uh, and like I, I won Australian nationals last year. Like yeah, I'm, I'm pretty handy at swooping. Yeah. Um, I've also like I like to compete in lots of things, so I definitely okay. feel like I keep myself busy at nationals. So like last year, I did VFS, MFS. Uh, four-way belly and then I was on a 10-way team that won the Godfrog which I'm told is the most prestigious award in all of skydiving okay what is the Godfrog it's uh well so man how long do you have the the short version is in 1972 they created this award for for the the like best vibe 10-way oh, team and that's fun the the origin of it is like some belly flies in the 70s who were like too high to function so they <laughs> had their wives like sew up these frogs so they could like dirt dive with the frogs without like making themselves dizzy it's a whole there's a website you should check it out our right. team photo from last year is I'll, pretty I'll, incredible i'll tag it in the show notes you should definitely okay. do that um but yeah so so i i've competed in lots of things i really want to do wingsuit performance that's like the event i haven't done that i'm like excited about the idea of doing um actually a great deal of this this weekend that i spent at wisconsin was like wheeling and dealing for for my teams for nationals this year so <laughs> I think I have an MFS team. There's been a lot of discussion about whether or not we're getting the band back together for 10-way because a month in Rayford is quite a long time to spend in Rayford, but uh, all, all signs point to I should suck it up because I'm spending the month in Rayford. <laughs> That's awesome. It's super fun. I, I guess, like, if there's one soapbox I'm, like, going to get on, it's, like, competing is awesome. Like, SDC just ran Cloud Games, which, if you're not aware, is a skydiving competition, you know, basically akin to nationals, but you can compete at your home drop zone. So you uh-huh. don't have to travel. Obviously, building a team is probably going to be easier if you don't have to travel. If you have block jumps, you can use those. Like, Is that the 10-way event that just happened? So it, is that it's, part of it? Uh, yeah, it was a part of it. Okay. Um, I Have you seen, seen and heard about Midwest's yeah. technical victory? I was here when it happened i saw it <laughs> so colin conway calls me and he's like hey you should come to midwest for cloud games yeah. and i was like colin i just want to let me read that back to you there exists <laughs> a skydiving competition whose whole sort of bit <laughs> whose whole reason for existing is that you can do it at your home drop zone so you don't have to travel to another place to compete and you want me to fly from where i live in california to wisconsin to compete on your team and he's like yeah basically and i was yeah. like maybe uh and like th- this year was the first year that my home drop zone had teams that i wasn't on uh-huh. uh which is like a huge like that was a very exciting moment what's your me. home drop zone uh skydive california in okay, tracy gotcha. um and, and as you're probably gathering like i fucking love competition like <laughs> really any excuse so like every year for cloud games like it, it's great it's like an excuse for me to compete and get a few teams together and, and be judged by rated judges like the while the awards are you know, like they're not national golds, they're cloud games golds, but like the judging is real. It's, it's nationally rated judges. Like you're being accurately judged. And so even if you're on a team that's training for nationals, like this is a chance to have a practice go. Like it's awesome. So good. Sorry. Huge stand for cloud. All right. Um, but yeah, having, having teams that I wasn't on this year was super, super awesome. And I'm like very proud of everyone who did it because like it has been a little bit of an outlet for me to just like, get out of my system and so the fact that like i i did three teams because i'm an idiot and i don't know how much is appropriate to take on for a weekend uh-huh. but we also had three other teams that were only doing one event which is better plan um yeah sorry i got very distracted there. no it's it's okay no worries like you you speak very well and very eloquently about what it is you're interested in and what you're what you're answering so like i'm just gonna let you keep going like you know, the other thing too is like you're filling in all the gaps for the questions that i have like as soon as the question pops in my brain you've already like started talking about like the answer for it so like 
This is the least amount of work I've ever had to do on a podcast. So I we love to see it. <laughs> um, so you mentioned you're the current Australian parachute champion. No, I was last year's champion. Last year, I, I okay. took a dumb zero in speed oh. this year. So, uh, so Sean Hayson is this year's chance. And to be clear, like super well deserved. Like he flew a hell of a meet. It, it was super rad. But okay, uh, yeah, last year's champion. Okay, all right. Sorry. No, I mean I it's, it's mostly just a like I, if, I, I. I try to be proud of my achievements but i also like only want to be proud of like my achievements no you know? i think i just misunderstood no, somebody when someone else said that somebody else that's told fair. me about it and i was like oh that's that's super exciting i just yeah. misunderstood like last year versus current or like sorry yeah so sorry no sorry about that uh cool what does that kind of role entail though <laughs> very little very this little i serious okay. thought i i guess like uh it sort of makes you the de facto captain of the Australian team. Okay. Which is also like an honorary position. Like we don't have a captain per se. I, I guess something I learned as like a fun fact the first time I went to Worlds, uh, even though swooping is an intermediate, uh, intermediate is an individual sport, uh, there is like a team award. So each team elects three people to be like the team and then they add up their scores and then of the countries, they take those scores and like give some rankings. Um, and so, like, if you're the current champion, you at least have a decent chance of, like, being in that top three. Um, but beyond that, like, yeah, I, I think there's, like, a little bit of, like, I at least did my best to to support the people who were coming up. Like, there were quite a few new competitors who'd never been to a, to a world-level event mm-hmm. last year in Eloy. And so that was a good chance, especially as someone who'd done it a little bit before, to just be like, hey, like, this is how things roll. Like, can I help? Like, maybe offer a little bit of coaching. Uh, but you know, it's, it turns out the big sponsorship money doesn't doesn't roll out just because you <laughs> got a cold medal at a skydiving event. No one cares what? about. No, uh, I hope someday that we figure out how to get sponsorship from like other companies like Red Bull. Yeah, like I. I so I have a motorsport background. Yeah, and, and you know, sponsorship means something super different yeah in in motorsport than it does in in skydiving and like i i don't i for sure as like if nothing else as someone who is hashtag sponsored like i definitely don't want to sound like ungrateful like i'm incredibly appreciative of all of my sponsors and like they make it uh, you know, either possible or easier for me to like pursue these things that i'm super passionate about and like mm-hmm. i i really don't i i for sure want to be very clear about like not being like why aren't you giving us more? Yeah. I think my point is is more a that uh, in in motorsport people are much better at seeking support from like out of sport. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So like, I actually I just spent a weekend with uh, Rhiannon and Alex Chelsmino, who are mm-hmm. extremely accomplished rally co drivers. And at one point, I got talking to Rhi about like the the state of her sponsorships, and like clearly, I'm not going to talk about like specifics, but like it, it's definitely you know throughout motorsport like the expectation is that your sponsors will be like contributing either monetarily or like indirectly monetarily right yeah. like they, they will either just give you sort of discretionary money to spend on your racing team or it will be a like we'll pay all your entry fees which is super directly like this is how i'm not spending my own money yeah um and in skydiving like i'm i'm aware of vanishingly few people who have that kind of a relationship which i i think is like not a one-sided problem like i i also think the skydiving athletes like don't do a great job of like representing themselves like I, i've helped quite a few people pursue sponsorships now and like 
my advice when I was involved in motorsport was like, if you go to basically any company, regardless of what industry they're in or whether or not they're like adjacent to the thing that you do, like if you go to them with a credible argument for why like sponsoring you, whether monetarily or in kind, will lead to them making more money this year, like yeah. they will do it. Like yep. they are a business, you are an advertising team, like you are <laughs> a marketing team, right? And so if you're good at that job, people will pay you. Yeah. There's also the part of that that I, I think is worth looking at which is that like being that you are sort of an employee on the marketing team if you're not very good at it it might be advantageous to just like get a job and pay for the things that you love with that money you know like you sort of do have to figure out like what am I making per hour to do this and and again like I, I think this is like a complicated topic that is very difficult to come off being like I want more stuff Right. Like, I think it's really easy to, like, interpret these conversations that way. And Mm -hmm. and like I said, like, that isn't where I'm coming from. But I I think there's like a lot of like unexplored opportunity. You know, I I don't want to talk about individuals because I I don't think it's awesome to, like, shine the spotlight at them. But like, I know some skydiving athletes who have sponsorships from companies that have nothing to do with skydiving. And those are the companies that, A, have a bigger market. So they have more discretionary spending to spend on advertising Uh and also the companies that are like comfortable with ad spend, right? Like it makes a lot of sense to get out of this little vacuum, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And yeah, anyway, sorry, this was a little bit of a terrain. No, it's okay. It's something that I'm so passionate about because there there are so many people who are like really bowling on a budget. You know, there, there are people who could be better at this than they are, but like the resources are like a problem for them. And, and it is difficult, like, when, when the nature of skydiving sponsorship is nearly always sort of, like, in kind, which is good, particularly because I, I think it does sort of, like, reward you according to how hard you're going. You know, like, if you don't jump very much, then, like, two rigs is not going to help you that much. But, like, yeah. if you're jumping enough that you can wear out two rigs in two years, like, man, that's, like, huge. So, you know, the system is, like, kind of working, but I, I think there is also this, like, other, like, 99% that that is like completely unexplored by the the sort of current state of it. Yeah. No, I mean that's that's uh that's an interesting thought cuz sponsorship it, for a lot of people and especially in skydiving like for a lot of people is something uh, something of an elusive topic, you know? Like we don't really understand the ins and outs of like what sponsorship really means. Like, oh, you just get a percentage off? Like are you a dealer? Are you a sponsored athlete? Are you a uh affiliate, you know? Like you don't really understand what that means and like when you talk about sponsorship in a uh, wider, a wide, like you cast a wider net with that idea of, you know, other types of extreme sports. It's like, that is an athlete that is representing your brand, but not only that, they are showing it off. They are marketing themselves. They are doing the social media. They have the publicist. They have everything that is helping them. You know what, you know what I mean? Like provide a, provide a, um, product for that company to essentially sell, you know, a hundred percent. It's a it's a working relationship, and it seems like at least you, you mentioned about how certain skydive athletes, I would say maybe a majority of skydiving athletes who are who are um, uh, sponsored by skydiving companies, like you don't see that same sort of kickback. I guess no, a hundred percent. And and I mean, I think that's also like an interesting thing. You know, you mentioned with social media, like, I'm not as good at that as I <laughs> as I ought to be. But at the same time, like I I think nearly every skydiving company that sponsors some hashtag athletes, you know, mm-hmm. like if you do zero Instagram posts a year and you get them 10 order forms with your name on it, yeah. they are not going to be yelling at you. Yeah. Right. Like it, it turns out that like 
the thing they care about is like selling rigs or selling parachutes or selling alternatives or you know mm-hmm. whatever the the thing is you know like the social media thing is like a means to an end and is basically zero effort you know it's make culpa i should be a lot better at doing that but <laughs> you know i i at least hope that my sponsors aren't mad at me because i i think i do a pretty good job of like showing off why i love the gear that i have and, and why it's probably what i would you know i not probably it's the stuff i would buy if i was spending my own money or paying full yeah. price um and, and like i think that's also lost on a lot of people like mm-hmm. I, I have spoken to people who are like man but i tagged them in my instagram posts like why isn't this going better for me it's like because mm-hmm. that, that is like a zero cost thing you should be doing out of the goodness of your heart to enhance your relationship but like man that like doesn't sell things it doesn't do it doesn't and, do and what like, you want it to do yeah 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 that's fair. Okay. Interesting. Uh, uh, interesting look behind the curtain <laughs> of being a sponsored skydiver. Uh, cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, we, we did go off the rails, though. Yeah, no, that's, how, that's pretty <laughs> much how I It started with Australian Parachuting <laughs> Champion. Yeah, crushing it. Championship. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, it's the, like the name of the game, this one. Uh, I might even just name this episode like off the rails with Richo. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel like that would be a good one. I'm pretty famous for tangents. When, when I was... <laughs> doing the computer security thing and I was giving a lot of talks like man I would wind up pretty far from where I started yeah uh, which is great when you're meant to be giving a very specific talk <laughs> about a technical topic and not getting bored it's interesting interesting <laughs> good to know good to know uh someone also told told me and you mentioned it too as well that you've performed some pretty wild XRW jumps yeah over so the years. For, for a while I was like raging super hard at it I still I mean XRW is still super fun I, I feel like I do it a lot less I also feel like the the I don't like saying the torch has been passed because I feel like a lot of times that's like an attempt to like cling on to something. But like I, I think people are now charging a lot harder than than I am, and okay. I'm like excited to see other people kind of like still being excited about it when it's something that I I am not making the time for that I used to. Um, but yeah, I mean I I did a, a Mexico boogie with some friends for a couple of years where we got up to some some pretty wild shenanigans. As far as I know, I was the first person to pick up four docks on four wingsuits at the same time. Is that called a quad dock or what is that? I, I guess. I don't, We're going to call it I, a quad Yeah, dock. I think you're meant to name things when you do them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as far as I know to date, only <clears throat> only me and Larry have uh, have pulled that off. I also like did some fun dynamic stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, like XLW was definitely like a, I don't know, for a while it was like all anyone was excited about and particularly like, I mean, kind of circling back to something genuinely relevant for once. You know, I, I was in this place where I was like pretty good at flying parachutes and like not great at like much else in skydiving. And so it came along at a really convenient time for like me personally, because all of a sudden, like being good at flying parachutes could be a team sport, you yeah. know, like instead of I'm going to go and do 26 hop and pops today, which mm-hmm. is like great and, and fulfilling and really rewarding because I wanted to be better at swooping. But like it, it turns out actually skydives with your friends pretty great. <laughs> Um, and, and so it did give me this outlet for like, cool, like I'm going to go befriend all the wingsuiters and I'm going to like go jump with them and, and kind of get really involved. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's hard to pick out some like favorite, actually, I mean, uh, now I stopped to think about it. I, I did a night XW jump covered in pyrotechnics into the Summerfest's what? Saturday night party last year. That was pretty cool. Like, yeah, that, that was a really nice time. Pyrotechnics. What do you mean? Uh, so, so I had pyro on both feet and then all the wingsuiters had, had pyro on their feet. And then we got out of the airplane like a mile and a half away, which is super exciting. I don't know if you've ever tried to spot your way into Scott of Chicago at night from a mile and a half away, but it's like pretty exciting. Okay. Uh, so get out of my parachute, like hashtag fly fluid, perfect opening at night. Cause if it hadn't (laughs) been, it would have been super unpleasant. Um, then opened up the pyro and then took it home. So it was like the five of us, five, 
five with camera alex was with us as well so i guess the six of us yeah just hauling ass across the sky like on fire uh like covered in lights on under my 60 square foot parachute Jesus. uh and then yeah landing landing in front of the party at, at uh saturday night on Summerfest. so it was that was fucking rad that was for sure yeah. like a once in a lifetime like super memorable skydive <laughs> I, I don't know how you would ever forget that. That's a that's a wild tale. It's a wild jump. Like, how did they even rope you into doing that? They just suggest it and then they... Yeah, so as, as you're probably gathering, like, it's pretty straightforward to talk me into... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Ted was basically like, hey, do you want to do a skydive at night on fire into the party? And I'm like, sick, man. Like, <laughs> Sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm in. Um, it, it was funny because historically... The, there's typically like a demo jump with pyro like in you know saturday night before the party and typically they've done it at like dusk which is honestly when i really wanted to do it <laughs> and like i asked ted and ted's like no nah, man like you were going like at night and i'm like yeah. great okay cool so we're like getting ready and like the sun is just about to set and then root comes in and he's like why are you not on the airplane like sun's setting you have to go and i'm like i could do this at dusk so anyway long story short it <laughs> super duper was night by the time we went but it was uh you know i mean that that was super fun and like you know a, a super disciplined group of people who flew with me because like there were so many opportunities for that to like not go well um so yeah su- super stoked on that one interesting well, if there's video of it, I gotta go and I gotta go and try and find it. Is there video of it out there? There definitely is. Um, I, I mean, I have some that I can share with you. I just have to find it, which could take forever. But I, I think there's for sure like some kicking around. Okay, interesting. I might grab that from you at some point. Yeah. Uh, you said you were a fluid wings yeah. athlete. What are you flying these days? Uh, so I fly an HK two seventy five and a Werewolf seventy five for like my everyday wings. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then I use an HK two sixty seven for distance sometimes, depending on the conditions. And then I have an HK two sixty that I use for speed and distance and sort of. You know what's an interesting thing? So Pat Kessler's out here, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, he's gone for the month, but he is he's out here stationed for the summer, um, at Midwest and. Something that blows my mind is how frequently he switches out canopies. Yeah, like it. Like what? Just while you were talking, I'm like, Jesus, that's four canopies. Like that's just four. Like that's just four he's using on you know a regular basis. And like it's wild how often he switches canopies out. I, I, like I'm I'm very interested in why he's switching things out so often, but I I don't want to bother you know bother him in the middle of it. So it's it's a curious thing. Like, is that something that you also find yourself doing like a lot? Or yeah, I mean, so it's also a, I mean, it, it could could be a lot of things. But I'm happy to talk about sort of why I do it at least. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's funny because when when I coach newer swoopers, a lot of times like they'll want to switch wings for yeah. all kinds of reasons. And and if you're not quite good at this already. I generally am like, no, nah, man, just get pick one yeah. and get really good at it. Like pick a wing that you could feasibly do everything on okay. and then just like get super good at flying that. For sure, as as with most things, though, you know, like as you get towards the pointier end, your need to specialize increases. You know, if you're a cyclist, like buy a gravel bike. You can ride it yeah. on anything, you know. But then as if you get into triathlons, like your gravel bike is going to be like not yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, like I, I have a wing that I use for, for zone accuracy, which is like either one of my 75s, although I like much prefer the HK2. Uh, and that's also the wing that I use for free flying, right? Which has the, the fringe benefit of, of meaning I stay super current on it because I like jump it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, for a while, you know, sort of my next step from, 
I guess we've done this out of order. Maybe you can edit your way to glory, but I doubt it. <laughs> uh, you know, so so like I think the right move is, you know, you have one parachute that you just know really well, use for everything, right? Because that's going to make you be consistent. Like uh-huh. good scores are no good if you only score 80% of the time. Like if yeah. you want to win, you need to you need to score every round. Then it sort of makes sense to move into like, well, maybe I have a wing that I use for the power events for speed and distance that, that I don't care about being able to like shut down. And then I'll have a, a wing that I use for accuracy. And okay. then... You know, next, maybe I want a different wing for speed and distance. And then towards the end, you also start thinking about like wind conditions, right? So like competitively, it's in your best interest to use a bigger parachute in downwind distance than headwind distance. Because Mm -hmm. in a downwind, the longer you can stay in the, you know, the the whole time you're in the air, you're hauling ass downrange. Okay. Whereas into a headwind, suddenly you just kind of care about how fast you can come plowing through the entry gate. And so like leaning towards a smaller wing mm-hmm. is sort of more of a factor. So so I think some of it just comes with when when you're very competitive, when you start to move towards like the pointy end of the field, the little, you know, the, the, every little bit counts starts to be more of a factor, right? Yeah. And it's like, can I make up a little bit of an edge with better or different equipment okay sort of the other thing that's changed is like now supine harnesses are like a thing and and that basically forced us to like rethink a lot of like parachute selection you know i would say for most people like a 60 is like pretty much too small yeah you know like parachute efficiency just decreases with size like that's just a a physical limitation of the universe we inhabit, right? Uh-huh. Like it's not, I, a lot of people get upset when I diss on small parachutes. And if you're a really small person, obviously like if you want a, a substantial lim- wing loading, then like it's going to be a little parachute, but mm-hmm. they do not fly as well as bigger ones. However, because of some of the advances in supine harnesses, now the like inefficiency that you're taking on with a small wing is like balanced out by by both like some of the mechanics and also some of the just sort of mechanics of how you need to fly yeah. a supine harness. So so there's also been a big shift there. You know, like I would never probably never ever have used a 60 for distance mm-hmm. in, in my regular harness. Like I just don't think that's like competitively viable. Yep. Uh but in my supine harness, like that's why I have the Australian distance record. So it it, it that has also like pretty fundamentally changed the game okay yeah that kind of poses another question for me so like i am the type of person who learns really visually so Mm -hmm. like if i see it happen i can usually mimic it um i'm not very good at being like like verbally told how to do something without having tried it or or experimented with it so i guess like maybe one of the reasons i've never really delved into it or wanted to delve into uh canopy piloting in a more serious like way is because I don't I can't visualize verbal instructions if that makes sense right like and so sometimes when I hear people talk about about canopy flight and about you know canopy like swooping and like piloting and all that stuff like I have a tendency to glaze over a little bit I think when especially when it gets to be like really lengthy explanations of like how certain things work or like what I should be seeing at different points. You, you know what I mean? Um, I th- I don't know. Like that that poses a really interesting thought or question, I guess, about how do you get around students like that? Like, how do you because people are going to do what they want to do. Right. Yeah. So like even even if they don't have the coaching, even if they don't have like the resources to draw on, if they learn differently. Right. Then like I would assume I mean, I guess I don't I don't know. I, I would assume, though, that your brain works differently. And that's why it's so much easier for you to like pick these, you know, sequences up, I guess, like so naturally or so easily, I guess. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's a part of it. I, I mean, in terms of like, how do you coach it? I mean, it's tough. And honestly, like, I think the current state of of swoop coaching or canopy piloting coaching in general, but especially swoop coaching, feel. I mean, this is obviously before my time. I didn't see it, but it feels like pre tunnel skydiving. Yeah. Honestly, because the feedback loop is really similar. Like, I put my students on the airplane. They go up. I film their landings. Yeah. We come in. We watch the video together. I talk them through it. I tell them some changes I would like them to make. They try to keep that shit in their heads. They get back on the airplane. They go, it, 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 I think the parallels to people learning to free fly into the pre-tunnel days, yeah. really similar. And I do wish there were some way that I could get up, pause time halfway through my student's turn, get up there and touch their hips and move their, you know, and, and sort of do what we're now able to do in the tunnel, mm-hmm. kind of explaining this complex, yeah, very physical thing. On top of which is the added, like, if you get it wrong, it's like, can be very bad, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's something that, that is, I, I find super difficult as a canopy coach is like, I think if, not that you can't hurt yourself in a tunnel or hurt yourself skydiving, like, obviously you can, but being bad at four-way you know, is going to be like cuts and bruises. Yeah. You know, like, it, even even in the tunnel, like, if you cream into the glass really hard, it is going to feel bad. Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to put you in the hospital, right? And and so it's easy to to be like, I am just going to push my students, right? But like, I don't want it, to. It's difficult to work out when people are ready for like the next big step. In, in sorry, I think I got a little bit off topic, but like no, in, in terms of like how how do you coach it? it? It's really tough. Like people learn super differently, and, and I I definitely think that coaching is super rewarding and super frustrating sometimes because I, I do have students that are very communicative with me that what I'm telling them isn't meaningful for them. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I need you to get your hips into this more. I need you to like think about what you're doing with your head and your chin. Like, and, and I'm doing my best to articulate like what made sense to me when I was either yeah. learning or either learning from someone else or figuring this out for myself. And and they'll just be like, this isn't working for me. And, yeah. and I think one great thing about this is that I'm getting a better toolbox now like I'm both getting a a better sort of repertoire of like things that might work yeah and even if they're not like ideal if I can get you to experience what's meant to happen with like less than ideal technique yeah that's still great right like if you can feel and I actually had someone who, who I coach sometimes kind of have this moment the other weekend it was super awesome it was very rewarding for both of us we landed and he was like, oh shit, like I my I finished my turn and the parachute recovered and I felt the speed and it was like sick. And I was like, cool, like we still have a ways to go on like the specific way you're inducing this, but you like know what it's meant to feel like. Yeah. You know, in the same way that the first time you like get up on your feet in the tunnel and you're like, oh shit, like <laughs> the wind goes up, <laughs> you know, like, so, so like, I, I think there is a lot there and, and definitely like it, it's really difficult working with people who learn differently because mm-hmm. you know there isn't a right or a wrong way mm-hmm. you know i i think the to your, to your second point about like the way i learned i mean i think some of it was that i was just like on a mission and, yeah and you know as as one of my friends likes to remind me all the damn time like he saw the way i was getting into swooping it's like i'm not gonna make friends with that guy because he's probably gonna die soon yikes uh okay. which is like grim probably fair-ish I mean I felt pretty confident that I had a plan but like so does everyone who's broken themselves swooping right like very few people are like I think this is gonna hurt I'm gonna do it anyway Mm -hmm. um but you know I mean I I did like hit it super hard and I I sought out like a lot of coaching and I also just jumped a ton you Mm -hmm. know like if if you're 
not doing a thousand jumps a year and you want to progress as fast as the person who is doing a thousand jumps a year, like you need to be doing something else mm-hmm. and like a lot of it. That's a good way to say that actually. Um, for anybody, for anybody that's like ch- chewing off more or like biting off more than they can chew, you know, like if you're not doing a thousand, that's, that's a great way to say that actually. I think it puts into perspective too. It's like, you can't get to that same level without doing the work and doing, the, you know what I mean? No, 100%. That's such, I, like there are so many faces that are popping up in my brain of people who should hear that, like should hear that exact phrase right there and like hopefully have it mean something. You know what I mean? So yeah. That, and it's, Sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. It, you know, it, it's difficult because I, I think a lot of people, are, you know, are like, well, that's expensive and time consuming. And I'm like, yeah, man, like it is. Like it, it's, it <laughs> kind of sucks. Uh, but like that, that's like kind of what you have to do or. The, there's no fast and easy way to do that. Like there's no quick way. There's no, you can't just go to the tunnel for that. You have to put the reps in in order to get there. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it, it's been really fascinating for me coming at rally because like I, I feel like in skydiving like i can't afford it is like valid don't get me wrong. like if you can't afford it you can't afford it but like i've seen so many people where you know will be like you shouldn't be free flying in that rig and they're yeah. like well i can't afford one that i could free fly in like why don't you have an ad well i can't afford one and like dude in motorsport that's not a thing like if you show up at tech with a car that doesn't have a cage in it and you're mm-hmm. like well i couldn't afford a cage so like, okay well i know why you're here because you're not fucking racing this weekend yeah like, there is like zero like interest in that line of thought mm-hmm. uh and, and is i i don't even really have like a point about how this compares to skydiving but mm-hmm. like every time i bump into this it's like so bizarre to me because i hear it reasonably often right yeah. like why are you doing this unsafe thing well i can't afford to do the safe thing and i'm like man like i mean th- there's always a way to do it there's always a way to afford it it's just a matter of like how how bad do you want it you know like uh, the, you're spending hundred bucks a day on jumps, you know, like if you, if you waited or if you found uh, an AED, you know what I mean? Like just for, just for lack of an example, you know, like if you found an AED for $400 that had two years left on it, you know, like you could potentially save that money for a brand new one after two years. Like yeah. there's, there's tons of ways to like get around those things, but like swooping doesn't seem like there's, it's like one of those things, you know? No, totally. And I mean, there's also some amount of like, I, I don't, I, I would never tell someone like they can't be a swooper. Yeah. Like I, Man, anyone can do anything if you're sufficiently determined Mm -hmm. within reason, I guess. But like, man, if you are not picking it up quickly, you need to understand that. Yeah. You know, like I I think, you know, free free flying is a good example and and so is belly or wing. I mean, honestly, any part of this sport. But like swooping especially is like, man, if you if you get into competing, you will make swoop friends. Like Mm -hmm. it's the same pretty small crowd swooping is not a huge sport like you're gonna make friends with the people that you're competing against every weekend and you will probably for a while kind of sit in the same place in the standings as them Mm -hmm. but like if they start getting away from you or moving up a class like the whole like i used to swoop with this person and now they're in open i need to downsize like that train of thought is like destined for bad places and and so like it's like I said earlier, like I, I don't want to be all doom and gloom. Like swooping is so good, like so fucking great, like with a little bit of a like when it's going really well caveat. But like it is a cool sport that is spectator friendly and liberating and flying parachutes. is all, Like it's so, so good. But like it requires this like pretty significant respect for like how quickly it can like stop being fun. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> That's a good Again, great sentiment that I think a lot of people need to hear. A lot of people should listen and like 
give some serious weight to words like that. I mean, you're speaking from experience too, so it's like you you know, like listen to him, people. Listen. <laughs> All right. Um everyone I've spoken to. So so I mean, to be super transparent, I just met Richo this weekend. I've known him for approximately three days. <laughs> okay. Uh, everyone I've spoken to about the fact that we were going to record tonight, like they all had super high opinions of you. Like every single one of them. Not a single one of them had anything bad to say. Like they all were like, that's going to be fucking great. It's going to be super cool. Like you should absolutely do it. Um, they all had wonderful, wonderful things to say about your skill set, about how like you just threw yourself at free flying and now you're on fucking records. Like just, you know, they had, they had tons and tons of great things to say about your canopy skills. Like obviously very obviously um you're super widely experienced you're knowledgeable like i'm just you're awesome you're super cool right uh but i really want to know what you struggled with i want to know what things you hit roadblocks with i think those are interesting things that we don't talk about a lot it's a good question because like i think man i'm gonna give you the shittiest answer you're gonna hate to this (laughs) i know a lot of people who are frustrated by how naturally things come to me yeah. And like, I think, I think in some respects, that's just fair. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> like I, I do have a knack for things. I think I also less obviously steer away from things I find really difficult. Yeah. You know, like, and there are exceptions to that obviously, but like sometimes when faced with a thing that I seem to be pretty good at and a thing that I'm not very good at, I will Go see what's up with the one that I enjoy. And that was probably a part of what got me into swooping. Some of it was like in AFF, I saw people running the little like pond ditch thing at Byron. And I was like, I want to do that. That looks rad. Um, You know, I think the other part is that like sometimes it's a little bit hidden from people like how hard you have to hit stuff. And that thousand jumps a year is like a great example of that. We're like, man, I charged pretty hard. Like I started skydiving in 2015, started competing and swooping in 2017. And then, like, won a national championship in 2022. And that's, like, not a huge gap. But, man, I did a lot of skydives yeah. in that time. And, and I didn't have – d- a lot of those were hop and pops while my friends were having a blast angle flying. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, one part of the, the like, non-answer. <laughs> you know, like, I, I think an alternate answer you could put on your podcast <laughs> uh, w- would be that, like – I mean, I – I think, like, I just struggle with, like, doing the hard things sometimes. You know, like, I, I swung by Utah for a little bit, and I, I was trying to figure out out face carving. And, like, the body mechanics of doing that, like, I just <laughs> find difficult. Like, I feel like I'm constantly on the edge of caulking, right? Yeah. And and so, like, I really find, like, getting outside my comfort zone is, is difficult. You know, like, yeah. I have a reputation for going real fast on my feet which was a fun experience for everyone on the record attempts this weekend while I furiously tried to slow down and and like it's a bit of a running joke with me but like I do have it is difficult for me not to do things the way that they're easy Mm -hmm. like it is easy for me to go mock Jesus on my feet it is super fucking challenging for me to slow down Mm -hmm. and and the joke I always make is that I never got to the chapter on slowing down um but yeah, I know I I don't want to sound conceited, but I feel like I don't have like a like snappy right. answer to it's what a, I find It's difficult. okay. No, it's fair. Um, everyone learns a little differently. I know a lot of people like you who like just pick it up. They figure it out. Like they just figure it out and they pick it up really, really easily. And it's hard for people who are on the opposite end of the spectrum like me, uh, who struggles with everything and has to find six different ways to 
has to like repeat the same thing six different ways in order to figure out the way that works, you know, like um, I think that it's easy for people to look at that and and um, look at the opposite end of the spectrum and be like, oh, you know, like frustrated with it. But at the same time, it's like everyone learns a little differently and they do struggle with stuff. And like for you, what you just said, you're like, I don't do the things that I know I struggle with because I don't want to deal with it. Right. Like No, 100 percent. And like I there, there have been times where I'm either just like going to come back to this you know like yeah. for example like i my head up exits are pretty good these days they're mm-hmm. a thing that are widely, widely regarded as being pretty difficult <laughs> the reason yeah. for that is if you're doing hop and bops might as well do them on your feet yeah so i like <laughs> banged out a couple thousand head up exits it's like that was a that was a really good running start um you know coming at i mean maybe a fun tangent is like people get into wingsuiting with 200 jumps wingsuiting is so hard with 200 skydives like yeah that is a challenging thing to pick up uh go off and be a free flight go off and be a belly jumper you know Mm -hmm. just go to a thousand skydives wingsuiting will seem very easy you know and and that's been my experience my girlfriend Tamara like just got into wingsuiting and she was like stressing out because she felt like I wasn't giving her very much of a briefing obviously always coach your spouse no possible pitfalls there (laughs) uh but you know and then she went and did the skydive and and she was just like oh like wasn't so bad and and so like I, I think you know, some of that also is like, man, like stack the deck in your favor. You know, if you want things to be easy, like do the things that will probably result in them like being easier. Yeah. Um, which again is a non-answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. So it's okay. No worries. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to um to deviate really quick, and maybe to um. And and like and wrap this up a little bit like if you had any advice for yourself as a young skydiver or if you have any advice for other young skydivers, what would it be? I think my piece of advice for for young skydivers is this metaphor I I lean on a lot and alluded to earlier about sort of thinking about skill points. You know, like I I, the the number is arbitrary, but let's pick 10 for argument's sake. You know, I, I reckon you get like 10 ish skill points a year and maybe you get more if you're going super hard and you get less if you're really casual about this but you know you get like some amount of better you're going to get at this sport every year like the advice i give people is to be like really deliberate about how you spent them Mm -hmm. you know like if you want to be slightly better at everything and you're going to go do some wingsuiting and do some tummy stuff do some free flying do some swooping that's great i think that's awesome the sport is super diverse you should explore all of it like do crew do the whole do it all right but like go into it eyes open to the fact that you've chosen to spread yourself kind of thin and you're not going to make a ton of progress in like any one of these things yeah or be like i am going to be the best wingsuit on the drop zone and be like i'm just going to focus on wingsuiting like i'm gonna let some of my friendships stagnate right Mm -hmm. and and i'm just going to charge super hard at this one thing and and be deliberate about that as well but like the thing that that I find most challenging to watch newer people in the sport do is like tear themselves in all directions and then compare themselves to their friends who are not doing that or like try to keep up with them. Yeah. You know, if you, if 70% of your wingsuit jumps, uh, 70% of your skydives are wingsuits, wingsuit jumps, and you have a friend who is getting into free flying and you try to downsize at the same pace as your friend who doesn't wingsuit. Yeah. That's probably going to be really difficult for you. Mm-hmm. So, so like, I, I think, that's my advice. And, and I think it it is important to me to kind of talk about that because like I am so much about people charging. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I would never want anyone to feel like I'm telling them to just like slow down because they're going too fast. Like I, I think if you want to get super good, that's fucking rad. How can I help you? You know, that that's like my take on like how passionate I am about like being excellent at skydiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but watching people trying to just like try really hard non-specifically and like expect these specific outcomes from doing that, like that's difficult for me because yeah. I, I do look at them like, man, this is like, I don't know what's going to happen, but like this is not going to work out the way you want it to. Yep. So. That would be my advice. I think that's a fair point too. And that's something that I've learned about myself in the last couple of years too. Like something I think I've, I've kind of adopted for myself is like, you have to have a goal. You have to figure out whatever that goal is and you have to go for it. 100%. And I think what I've, I, I've always known kind of what I wanted to do, but I didn't want to make all the other sacrifices that I had to in order to like meet those, you know what I mean? Like yeah. to meet, to meet that goal. And I finally feel like I'm in a place where I'm like, now nah, we're doing it. We're doing the fucking thing. Like, like yeah, and that's awesome. Like that's send. the kind of thing that gets me like super fired. Like yeah. that's why I, I love this spot, you know, like I a personal example would be like I would love to do a wingsuit base jump one day mm-hmm. like that I that sounds amazing like yeah. I would love to do that and I'm like not in the mood to put in the effort to get good enough at wingsuit yeah like I'm a I'm an okay wingsuit like I'm pretty mm-hmm. good but like I'm not like so fucking excellent that I can like yeah say with confidence that like tossing myself off a cliff is going to go well <laughs> and like until I'm willing to to invest that effort in being like so fucking good yeah. That this is like all but a short thing. Like I, I don't get to do that. Yeah. And that's easier for me now with years in sport and some perspective and being good at some other stuff. Mm-hmm. No, that's totally fair. Uh, it's there are so many people in skydiving that are aimless, you know, and you see them burn out after like three years because they just like they didn't progress. Like for whatever reason, like. I wasn't progressing. I was plateauing. I was stand. I was at a standstill. I don't know what I wanted to do with it. I was spending so much money but not getting anything out of it. Like goal setting can at like can absolutely change the trajectory of like where like what this career could potentially be for you or like this hobby could be for you. It could turn into something you're totally like totally unexpected. You know. Um, Maybe it's just like a very fulfilling thing that you just keep chasing and you're really passionate and excited about. But you see so many aimless skydivers lose it after like three to five years yeah because they're bored and like that's why i'm so excited about competition yeah right like if you want to know if you're getting better at this yeah get on a team Mm -hmm. you know like you can just compare your averages across nationals you know and like i'm sure when you interview tam like spoilers like that that's going to be something that she's 200 percent going to tell you like if Mm -hmm. you're new and not sure if you have 100 skydives and you're not sure what to do with your life like get on a belly team yeah and i think it's like the best advice you know like if you want to get better at this like find a group of people with a similar goal and like jump together a lot like man you will you'll you will get good uh but like i I think that's like a really succinct succinct way to put it that you had which is like make sure you have like goals yeah right because the whole like show up do 10 skydives every weekend and wait to get really good yeah it's not like the mm-hmm. most effective strategy. I, I I forget who it was, but somebody else also said that recently on on, on another episode, or put it into slightly different um, context of like, be really realistic about what those goals are. You know, like for me, two years ago, I had the same goal I have right now, right, and I just didn't want to make the sacrifices, but I was kicking myself every single day about the fact that I wasn't doing anything, despite the fact that I was doing all this other stuff that I actually wanted to be participating in. Does that make sense? Right? Yeah, 100%. And so now, like after this la- this whole last year, I've had this realization of like, 
you have to just do this. Like you've been beating around the bush. You've been making excuses for why you're not putting that time and the effort in, you know, like to, to meet this goal. It's never going to happen if you continue to do what it is you're doing. And so like you either have to make the change or you have to let go of the goal. Like it's one of those two things. Like, and I chose the former. I was like, all right, we're doing it. We're full send. Like we're going someplace else. We're going to do something completely different. We're going to throw all this time and energy at something. And, uh, like, I I don't know. I, I feel like people are lost a lot of the time, though, too, you know? Um, and for single-minded or, or soup, not single-minded, um, very, very driven people, it's hard for them to, like, have that internal conversation, you know? Totally. I mean, you know, for example, like, my, my girlfriend loves to be frustrated by things coming naturally <laughs> to me sometimes because she, she learns in a different way than I do. But, like, last year is a perfect example. Like, I... I I'm learning, you know, I'm like an okay free flyer now. And she's also like a, actually, she's an she, excellent free than, flyer. But that's, you're, you're, better, you're both better than okay, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, but, you know, like I, I went to a couple of tryout camps. Like I sort of tooled around on the edges of the 200 way and, and really didn't put very, you know, I didn't spend, you know, I spent vanishingly few of my skill points on that. Like I, I did some <laughs> big ways and big ways are fun, but like I didn't, I didn't commit. Yeah. Right. And she did. And so she got to be on every single 200 way attempt. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. Yeah. You know, and that's like, that's what happens. You know, like we, we made two different choices and we got two different outcomes. And that's like fine. Like I'm, I'm not particularly <laughs> a little bit bitter. Everyone's bitter about the 200 way. Let's be <laughs> real. Uh, but, but like, you know, I, I if I'm going to be like, well, I wanted to be on the record, it's like, well, then you should have, should have put in the work then, shouldn't you? You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, I, I, I just like, I, I I feel like I could talk about this all night just because of, of how difficult I find it to watch people like struggle with the sport in such a like pretty fixable way. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I talk a lot about how, you know, in, in my opinion, it's easier to change a plan than it is to make one. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I just, I want people to go into things with like a pretty good idea of how things are going to shake out because if things don't go great you should at least have a starting point for what you, you know, that's why yeah. we hop on about EPs and stuff, right? Yep. You know, like when, when I see people, you know, like learning to free fly, <laughs> difficult and expensive, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and it's so difficult. Like you, your coach is slapping at your knees and your hips and, you, you know, telling you to put your chin back and it's, everything's happening so fast and you have to correct it in the moment and caulking is <laughs> very exciting for everyone, right? But like having an honest conversation with yourself about like where you're going in the sport and yep. like what you like, that's free as hell and you're not in a rush it's also very difficult for a lot of people to do a hundred percent and like, and that's definitely not meant to say that it's that it's easy yeah you know but in in the same way that like you know like being 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 lazy with like understanding your EPs and like thinking about you know as you introduce more complexity to your skydives like thinking about how that does change yeah you know the sort of exciting outcomes that you might have to your skydives yep you know it's like the same thing where it's like man this like isn't super fun but like you should you should do that yeah 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 i like that i like that answer i mean there's nothing about that answer i don't like to be honest because it's i feel it i feel it on a (laughs) very uh real level um especially in the last like last year or so um i think that's really good advice for a lot of people that most people probably don't 
really think about. And like for anybody that's new that's listening or like newer to the sport that's listening right now, those are things that you should be keeping in the back of your mind. In my opinion, like having a goal, figure out what it is you want to do with this. Is it just to have fun? Is it just to like, you know, be a, a hobby that you enjoy hanging out with your friends doing? Or is this something more and you want to take it farther? Like if that's the case, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Like explore as much as you can so you have an answer. Like Totally. Because I mean, the first thing is like, valid like if if you're like i think coming out every other saturday like doing three belly jumps that are relatively unambitious but i smile with my friends you know i hold a couple of hands in free fall i fly my parachute fly a good pattern and land it safely yeah dude that's great like i love that for you that sounds like an awesome way to spend a couple weekends a month Mm -hmm. like sweet yeah But, but like the downside is that your friends who hit it super hard will get ahead of you. Yeah. And, and you know. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, that, that's pretty much it. Like, I, I just, I I can't agree more with, with this, like, <laughs> just, just, like, figure out what your goals look like. And I, then, like, reevaluate them sometimes. Yeah. I think, I think too, like, something that I wish, to, to elaborate on that, like, I was an 18 year, I was 18 when I first started skydiving. Like, I was super young. I had no life experience. Uh, skydiving was a total culture shock for me. Like, completely flipped my world on its end. Um, but in addition to that, I didn't have money. Like I had no money to continue to, I saw my friends doing fun stuff. Like like when I first started in 2009, like freestyle for girls was like all the rage. It was mm-hmm. like, it was before the tunnel game really picked up. So like people were doing like the fun poised exits off the plane. They were flipping and twisting and like doing all kinds of cool, pretty things in the sky. And that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to freestyle so badly, but I didn't have like the money for coaching. I didn't have like the in with the people who knew how to do it like um and now looking back it's like I wish I would have had more of this mindset when I was young so that I could have used that time to build up to where I wanted to be you know what I mean yeah and I think I think most people some people at least I mean I don't know about most people but I think some people probably are in a similar boat where they're not making those goals and thinking you know like what do I want to do with this where do I want to go like how do I make this I don't know I don't know I don't know that's a weird train of thought no I I think Uh, there's like I I think there's a lot there and and one thing that you you made me think of while you're saying that is that like man I think where you come up and where you spend time in the sport makes a huge difference like northern California has a lot of ninjas but it has a lot of swoopers right like yeah. so so i got into swooping a i just like had free advice from people who like knew how to do this and that probably kept me you know relatively safe uh because i had people keeping an eye on me who who cared enough to come over and be like hey man <laughs> what you're doing is not very intelligent mm-hmm. but also like i went to my first swoop comp at, at zephyr hills florida in 2017 and I was packing next to the mat, next to this guy, Danny Ellie, who were, we were both in the beginning class. We we're both flying big ass katanas. We're still kind of keeping in touch. Uh, and he's like, wow, that guy has a Petra. And I'm like, sure, man. What? I just, I figured, <laughs> I just assumed that every drop zone probably had like five or six people qualified to fly a Petra at it. Yeah. Because that had been my experience. And so I just, I just figured they were all like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, they are not. <laughs> Yeah, You know, and, and it's kind of the same, like, when uh, I, I don't travel to coach a, a whole lot, but I, I do coach a little bit. And, you know, I go to a drop zone where, you know, there are probably some TIs with, like, a bunch of jumps and, like, some camera flies and stuff. But, like, of the fun jumpers, you know, there'd be, like, one guy with, like, 700 jumps. And he's, like, the people, the guy people go yeah. to for advice. Yep. You know, and, and that's a really different vibe to a drop zone, you know, like, Scott of Cal, where I'm from, or Scott of Midwest, where we are right now, or, you know, really any any like big drops on mm-hmm. where the guy with 700 jumps is super aware that they're like pretty new 
yeah. you know, and, and they're like, oh, the, the guy with like 20,000 jumps is the guy I go to for advice. That's the person I go to for advice. I've been at this for a while. I'm like pretty good at it. There's still like people I reach out to when I'm like, I don't know how this works. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I, I think that's also a big factor in that, like figuring out what your direction is. You know, if, if you're at the drop zone and there's like a serious VFS team there, yeah. you know, I mean, like. Look, those are the people who are good at free flying. Like yeah. the, the people who are good at angle flying are fucking ninjas for sure. But like the people who can like turn points really fast on the ragged edge of caulking, like those guys are awesome, mm-hmm. you know. And and so like if you're exposed to that early on, you're gonna have a pretty clear picture of what like excellence looks oh, like. Oh yeah, placement has such a huge a huge role in uh not goal setting, achieving goals, I guess. Um for lack of, a, lack of a better phrase, uh, achieving goals. Um, I come from a drop zone where people screw around every weekend. You know, there's really not like a ton of goal setting there. And I spent in an, a, a very, very long time there before I realized like this is not what I want. Like I don't want to be a burned out tandem instructor by the time I'm 40. Like I want to also, I want to do this, but I also want to be able to push my own goals. So placement has such a huge, I remember going to the Project 19 camps too as well and being like, I'm the only person from Minnesota here. Like I know nobody. I don't know anybody here. And the only reason I'm here is because they built a tunnel in Minneapolis and I was there for three years as an instructor. So I have the skill set in order to do this now right um but I knew nobody like I didn't know anybody like nobody knew me so I constantly was getting put in like the small like the you know you know what I, mean? yeah, I yeah. was constantly no. getting put <laughs> in like the I, for lack of a better phrase junk groups you know I've like, spent some time in those um, groups and like it was very discouraging and it was really hard like being in that situation feeling like I couldn't progress farther you know but it, it, placement has such a huge like geographical placement has such a huge role in being able to achieve those goals because it's all about who you know it's all about how whether or whether or not you can uh, get the coaching in a um a financially achievable way right like traveling to and from minnesota <laughs> to to like good coaching like good coaching hubs like that's hard you know it, it's a lot of money for lodging and airfare and like travel expenses and food like all that stuff it's and on top of that the coaching right it's it's not achievable in the same way that it would be if you lived in arizona or totally if, you know yeah i mean so so i did aff and my first like 300 ish jumps at byron yeah and, and then i moved to to tracy which is like 20 miles away right so like geographically and socially in theory it's like yeah the same drop zone but like skydiving changed completely yeah to me when i got to tracy like as it currently stands like half of core is like people whose home drop zone is kind of california and yeah. that's kind of odd for a not huge drop zone in the mm-hmm. Central Valley of California. But, you know, I got I got out there and I was, like, surrounded by really good skydivers. Mm-hmm. Like, ev- everyone out there is a shredder. And, and all of a sudden, like, I both had goals, but even just had people around to be like, hey, I don't know what to do on this skydive. Like, yeah. I, I don't expect you to come jump with me, but, like, what could I do to go get better? Yeah. And then it's, I, I sort of realized... After I said it, that that could have sounded kind of catty towards small drop zones, which is like not what I'm getting at. But like when the most experienced person who has time for you because the TIs are burned out has like 700 skydives, like when you're like, what do I do to get better? Like, yeah, they probably don't know either. They're yeah. probably also trying to figure out how to get better. Right. And and so like, you know, I mean, maybe one of the takeaways there is to just like travel. You yeah. know, like go to go to boogies with good organizers because they will. Hey, there's like not their first rodeo trying to figure out what you ought to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but like you know getting out and and like experiencing it at least will sort of give you some perspective for for what your drop zone is like either way even if you do what i did and you go to a swoop comp and you're like oh like i am so spoiled at home yeah i should be really realistic about like how fucking great i have it Mm -hmm. you know and because that like was a huge shock to me Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean like being being a good place like you know what you're saying with the p19 camps like like having people to vouch for you is massive like i i did a big way event the other weekend and like I, uh, I I think they basically needed to fill a slot, and so my name came up, and the organizer reached out to some people, and everyone was like, "I think he just swoops." Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't know if that guy knows how to go to full altitude, you know, and yeah. and like, I, you know, eventually, <laughs> presumably, someone came through and was like, "He'll probably be fine," <laughs> uh, but but like, you know, when when you don't have a, a network of people to vouch for you, like, man, it is it is hard to get your foot in the door, even if you are like totally good. And conversely, like, there are some people who are just fine. Yeah. But they're friends with some people who are fucking ninjas, and like, man, they get some opportunities. That and to be clear, that's great for them. Like, what this is not meant to happen in a vacuum, mm-hmm. but it is frustrating, you know, when when people, you know, sort of like circumstances more uh generous to some people than others yes like i think the diplomatic way i would put that yeah that's fair (laughs) uh all of the things you just said like all the things on this on this uh idea of like goal setting and like achievable goals and like having that conversation with yourself that honest conversation with yourself you know the realization all those things like that's all very fair information to be giving to someone who is maybe not a rookie but is like an intermediate level skydiver who is maybe at a crossroads yeah you know like i think that's i think that's all very fair i don't know that i would tell that to like a rookie or anything but but it, for like a new skydiver for a real no, and when i, I say mean, new i mean like first three years you no, know totally. like and, and when you're like fresh a license i mean if nothing else like i mean it's it's difficult it's difficult with time and sport because yeah. you'll see someone going off to do something and you're like, man, I don't know if that's a good idea. But then I like think about the first logbook yeah. I filled out. Yeah. I, I found my first logbook the other day and it's like <laughs> jump 200 and it's like solo sip fly and then jump 201 is like five way sip fly. And I'm like, how did that go? My dude? Like probably not great. Uh, but you know, it's like built some character. You, like, yep. you do, you have to screw around. Yeah. The, this is a sport kind of built on a foundation of screwing around mm-hmm. and, and it's, it is tough, yeah. you know, because, like, you want to protect new people mm-hmm. and, and also be realistic. Like, oh, man, I, we, we all go through that phase. Like, yeah. you just. Yep, I get it. Yeah. I get it. All right. With that, though, we're going to wrap it up. We should. Okay? Because I feel like we're going to continuously keep keep going back and forth on this, on this one. Um, thank you, dude. Thank you, Richo. Thank you so much. <laughs> for joining me a complete stranger uh for an hour and a half of chatting about no, about uh little bobs and ends and bits and pieces of skydiving i really appreciate it this was super fun yeah. thank you for having me oh god yeah. i'm breaking things that's okay don't <laughs> worry no worries all right with that everyone listening thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of fall risk uh we will see you around the drop zone stay safe blue skies see ya